What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse. Unfortunately, Greg and I have lied to you. Um, in the past, we've said that you're only going to get Greg and I on Ohioverse, but uh, today Dom's going to be on it with me. So you know what? Nothing bad. Oh, Dom is awesome. our audience. <laughs> I know. We said too bad. If you don't like listening to us, we're always going to be on the show. But uh, you know, Greg had some things he had to handle, so that is okay. Dom's going to hop on here with us today, and he is just as qualified. Trust me. Well, maybe. Just a little bit less, but that's okay. We'll get him on here. <laughs> just kidding. All right. Dom loves his Ohio sports just like us. He's a huge Cleveland fan. Don't hold it against him. That's okay. Um, but we'll go ahead and get started. I get it. I get it. <laughs> that's okay. All righty. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, really just kind of talk about some college football today and then uh, and then the crew. And I think that'll pretty much be it. It'll be a pretty quick episode. We'll end with our double take segment like we always do. But let's go ahead and kick it off with our pretty much favorite college football team within Ohio and Ohio State. Um, Just kind of talking about their uh, recruiting class that they recently brought in. Obviously, you know, not as potent, I think is probably the wrong word, but not not as big as everybody thought it might be. I think they dropped down to like seventh uh, right now in the recruiting class ranking. And um, we're just going to kind of go over some of the, you know, main factors of of why they lost out on some of the big names that they lost out on. So uh, I'll let Dom go first on what he thought about the recruiting class and uh, his three main factors on why we lost out on some of the big name guys. Um, well, I think the biggest factor is I know Ohio State's pretty limited with their NIL money. Um, they're not as willing to give it out as some of the other programs in the country, um, which I, I think they'll they'll obviously be a detriment to them. Um, but I still think. They're going to be fine in the long run. They've had a top recruiting class the last couple of years. They still have a, the seventh-ranked recruiting class this year. Um, looking at it right now, they got 18 four-star recruits and one five-star. You know, they're they're not really that far behind some of the other programs uh, that had higher recruiting classes. I think in the long run they'll be fine. Um, it just NIL is changing the game so much. You're going to see a lot of five-star recruits. Um, that traditionally would just go to um, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson, um, you're starting to see them go elsewhere. Um, you look Miami, they have the number four recruiting class right now. Um, Oklahoma's at number five. Um, even teams like uh, Tennessee, who had a pretty great season this year, they're at number nine. So you're starting to see other teams that, yes, they're big programs, but they're not really known for having great recruiting classes. You're starting to see them really up their recruiting game. Um so I like I mentioned before, I think it's good for college football as a whole. Um, as we're gonna start to see it be more competitive. But I think in the long run, Ohio State will still be fine. Yeah, I agree with you. I think one of the one of the main reasons is definitely NIL. I mean, if you we've had this conversation on and 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 off the podcast at the same time, like the the amount of like I think that we haven't seen a very like even college football playing field in in a long time. Like I want to say probably since the start of the playoffs, but even before that, when you talk about the way Alabama has kind of dominated the 2000s so far, especially since Saban got there, um, it's this NIL is going to do wonders for spreading the talent around because not five-star guys aren't going to want to go and sit a year at Alabama. They're not going to want to go sit a year at Ohio State, Clemson, so on and so on. They want to go play because they want to get paid and they want to get the life-changing money that people are offering them. So you're going to see a lot more five-star guys if they look at a team and maybe a team like Ohio State that already has 
you know, some five-star talent that's playing right now that still has a couple more years of college eligibility. And they see that there's already a couple guys coming in. Maybe they say, hey, screw it. We'll go, we'll go to TCU. We'll go to Tennessee. We'll go to Miami. You know what I mean? We'll go to these programs that have been, you know, somewhat okay over the years, but they haven't been dominant, especially Miami, like it had been in the past. So I think we're going to start to see the talent spread out and in perfect timing for the college football playoff expansion as well, too, expanding to 12 teams. That means that you have a lot more opportunities to get into the college football playoff, which means you don't have to just join, you know, the same five schools every single year. When you talk about, you know, the the top five that we've seen over the past, like, what, six, seven years now. Yeah. So well, I, and I think that's good. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I think that's good for the quality of games that we're going to see once the college playoffs expand, because, you know, college football, the way that it has been the last couple of years, no one's going to want to see Alabama go against whoever was, uh, I don't know who's 12th right now, but we saw a matchup like that earlier in the season with uh, Oregon and um, was it Georgia and Oregon just got destroyed. Um, So now you can kind of make that argument now that the talent's getting spread out more you can make a better argument for expanding the playoffs because it's not going to be blowouts. It's going to be pretty even across the board. I mean, it's going to get back to, I think, what we were used to seeing in the early 2000s, you know, at least. And I know that people probably have been watching college football a lot longer than us, but we're not that old. Surprise. Um, (laughs) When we probably started really watching college football was probably early 2000s for us. So, you know, there was a transition, like I said, around like 2010, where you started to seeing kind of the same five, six teams that were dominant within college football. I think it narrowed down to like four teams the past couple of years. But, you know, I, I think we're going to get back to a more even, you know, college football landscape in that. That's that's probably my my main factor. I think the the second main factor for me is that. I don't know if Ryan Day is that good of a recruiter. And, you know, I think that that's. Maybe on him, he's got to get a little bit better. I don't know how Urban Meyer was as a recruiter, but he was always able to bring in, you know, the best talent. (laughs) So I think that we have to kind of see Ryan Day kind of develop as a recruiter over time. I know he has probably one of the best weapons when it comes to recruiting guys in Brian Hartline in the country. I mean, he's so good at recruiting that teams are offering him head coaching jobs and he's a wide receiver coach. So (laughs) I think that that's something that you can't overlook. You know what I mean? He's, he's so good at that, that, that teams wanted him to be the head coach for their team. And, um, Oh, the freaking defensive coordinator slips my mind, but I think that he, he lost out on two, two of the three guys that we lost out on were defensive guys, five-star defensive guys. And I think that, that maybe he's not as good as a recruiter as, as people thought he might be coming in as well too. Um, Mm -hmm. So obviously we got some guys, but I think that, you know, losing out on a five-star cornerback and a five-star pass rusher, that, that hurts, especially for a team who hasn't had, a dominant guy in the secondary in a couple years and a really dominant guy on the defensive line. I think that, you know, they're going to have to figure that out recruiting wise. Um, And then. Yeah, but I still don't think that they really have a problem recruiting. I mean, so when did Ryan Day become the head coach? What was that? 2020? 2019. 2019. Right. So going back to that recruiting class, they had, okay, that recruiting class were pretty low. They were 14th. But yeah, then you I mean, look, you but you look ever since then. Twenty twenty, they were fifth. Twenty twenty one, they were second. 
2022, they are fourth. 2023, they're currently seventh. I mean, so listen, they, they, I'm not, they've I had a top. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's not a good recruiter. I'm just saying I don't think he's as good as a recruiter as we thought. Only because when you when you look at the landscape of college football, like we said with NIL and that guys they don't guys don't feel like they have to go to Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. You know what I mean to to be able to get an opportunity to play on big stages. That's the thing because guys guys would sacrifice a year playing. They would redshirt. And they would sit there and they would develop and then they would take their, you know, they would take their opportunity in their sophomore year and then, you know, maybe even their junior season if, you know, if they hadn't started yet. But most guys would start by their sophomore year, or at least play significant minutes. So that's that that's where guys were at, where they were like, oh, I have to go on one of these top four teams. These are the top four teams that are probably going to make the college football playoffs. These are the top four teams that are going to get the most exposure. So it necessarily really I don't think it really was you know, Ryan Day per se, I think it was more or less the the name of the school. But now that you have that guys don't have to go here to even get money, they don't have to go here to get the the recognition because the college football playoff is 12 teams now. So you could go play yeah. for TCU and you're going to make the college football playoffs. I mean, if you think about like, like look at Cincinnati to, you know, last year, they got in the college football playoff. You don't have to you don't have to go to one of these big time schools to get the opportunity if you have the right guys and the right coaching staff that you believe in. You know what I mean? So I think that we're going to start to see a little bit of who he is recruiting wise. And you say he was, they had a, the fourth recruiting class last year. They have the seventh right now. I'm not saying that's a huge drop off, but I think we have to see what they look like over the next couple of years to see maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll continue to be a top 10 recruiting class, you know, every single year. And that's, that should be good enough to compete for the playoffs and this, the championship every year. But I don't know what we'll to see how that slip goes. Um, and then I think the third main factor for me, because I think they lost out on Dylan Raiola. Um, and I think it's how CJ Stroud's looked the past couple years. I think that uh, it's not, he hasn't looked great and he hasn't been able to perform in big time situations. And I think that's a direct, you know, reflection on Ryan Day as a guy who's supposed to be a quarterback guru, a guy that turned, you know, gave us Dwayne Haskins, a guy that coached Joe Burrow before he went to LSU, a guy that gave us Justin Fields. You know what I mean? I think that maybe we lost out on a, a number one quarterback recruit because the room was a little bit too heavy, but also because maybe he didn't believe in Ryan Day as much as he did when he first committed. That might be a little bit I don't of a know about that kid. I, I know he's he's a Nebraska legacy. The um I know his I think his dad or uh, someone in his family you know has a history of you know being with Nebraska. So I I don't think missing out on him you know is I don't think it's going to be that bad of a factor. We have um, C.J. Stroud. We have other five star quarterbacks and four star quarterbacks that are on the roster. So losing out on someone in the 2024 class when we already have you know four or five star recruits that are going to be our quarterback during that time, I don't think it's going to be that big of a factor for us. Well, I mean maybe, but we'll see. I mean if he goes to Nebraska, we'll play him. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like I said, that's this, where um, this, is that where this nil fickle went to Wisconsin. Never mind, sorry. Yeah, but th- this nil stuff i don't know what other word to use it's great for 
you know, mid-level teams that are in these Power Five conferences. You know, mm-hmm. we saw it with Tennessee this year. I think we're going to start to see it with Nebraska and other teams of the Big Ten and SEC, even the Pac-12. No, I, I agree. I think that's probably the biggest factor of why we lost out on some of those guys. It wasn't that, like, it wasn't that they didn't want to come play at Ohio State. I think there was other factors that that went into it. I think if this was five years ago, those guys would have signed with Ohio State like they wanted to been okay with sitting for a year because they knew that they were going to play the next two years and then they would be a high draft pick or or at least drafted into the NFL and given a shot. So yeah. as long as they perform the way that they were supposed to. And and I think that that's, you know, that that cycle of, you know, sit, play, play, draft, sit, play, play, draft is not going to be a thing anymore. I think that, you know, most schools now are going to start bringing freshmen in and they're going to have to start being impact as freshmen because they don't have the guys that are just waiting, you know what I mean, to get their shot the next year as as much as they used to. The depth isn't really going to be there. So they're really going to have to focus on developing again, which is something they haven't had to really do in college football. <laughs> you know what I mean? Except for the smaller schools, like you talk about like Northwestern, who every four yeah. years is pretty solid. They haven't really had to develop guys because it, if you guys don't remember, if you don't know who Threes is, James Laurinaitis, he was a, like a two or three star guy. You know what I mean? Obviously immense talent. I think that they kind of underrated him when he was in coming out of high school, but he was a guy that had to be developed, that they had to put the time in to make sure that he was going to be good because that's the guy they brought in. And guess what? He turned out to be one of the best linebackers in Ohio State history, and he had a really, a really good NFL career for, you know, a linebacker in the early 2000s. Obviously he was on those Rams team in the set. That sucked, but I don't think that was really all his fault. (laughs) So, but that's our opinion. Let us know, guys, what you think about, you know, the main factors of Ohio State losing out on on some of these guys. I know that was a couple weeks ago and uh, we're a little bit behind the ball, but um, some things got in the way of recording this episode, but we're doing it now. So let us know what you guys think. Um, Maybe you think that we're completely wrong and that we are off off our rockers. But uh, obviously this, uh, what, Sunday, New Year's Day? We're going to get uh, Ohio State versus Georgia. Obviously, the other games are going to be happening. Tomorrow, New Year's Eve. Oh, sorry. Yes, New Year's Eve. My bad. Um, Today is Friday. Tomorrow is Saturday. My uh, time is off. That's, yeah, that's how the week works. I have uh, been up since 1 a.m. So there you go. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> All right. They play against Georgia. Uh, that's the only game we're really going to focus on right now. I, I um, don't care about the other one because hopefully both of them lose. But... um. What is our realistic expectations against Georgia? I know Greg and I were not very um nice to Ohio State last episode that we kind of went over this a little bit, but now that we've had about a month to kind of sit in the the poopy mess that Ohio State made against Michigan and we've had a month to kind of really think about it and marinate, Dom, what is your realistic expectations for Georgia tomorrow? Can they win? Yes. Will they? Most likely not. Um, I, I think Georgia's just too good. I mean, this Ohio State team is good, but Georgia's just on a whole other level. I, I don't really see anyone beating them. Um, not Ohio State, not Michigan, not TCU. I think they're far and away the best team in college football. And barring any you know devastating injuries and knock on wood that doesn't happen, um, I don't really see anyone beating them. That's in best case scenario. Ohio State makes it a game, and we get a you know a close game late in the fourth quarter. But I don't even know if that's going to happen. I agree. This is what I'll say. 
like Dom said, can they win? Yes. Will they win? I would love to say yes. I would love to say that I believe 100% that this team is going to win, but I just I just don't I don't believe in it. But here's what I'll say, and I I won't harp on this because I've already said it in a previous episode. The only way that Ohio State wins this game is if CJ Stroud steps up. He ha- he has to be the guy to set the tone. He has to be the leader and he has to make plays when nobody thinks he's going to make plays. I said this last episode with Greg and Dom. I'll say it for for you too to see get your reaction. We have had quarterbacks at Ohio State that were not the best quarterbacks when it came to the arm talent or throwing the ball, aka JT Barrett. But what JT Barrett had was he was probably one of the best leaders that we've had the quarterback position in the past. If you take the last ten to fifteen quarterbacks we've had, and he was able to buck up and win games in big-time moments. And he did not shrink. And what C.J. Stroud has done all season is he's shrunk in big-time moments when things aren't going their way. He panics. He overthinks. He makes poor throws. He makes poor decisions. And we were hoping that he would grow from that from last season, and he hasn't. And now we're in a situation where if he plays – He's going to have to play the best football he's played in an Ohio State uniform up to this point to win the next two games. He has to have a run like none other. He has to show that he's a leader. He has to show that he can motivate guys. He has to show that he can make plays when it matters. And if he doesn't, we're going to lose. We're not going to win. It's not even going to be a close game. It's not going to be fun to watch. You're going to turn it off at halftime, and you're going to go watch Michigan wallop TCU and then you're just going to be sad and then it'll be Michigan and Georgia in the national championship game again and then Georgia is just going to wallop Michigan and awesome we had the same result from last year so that's literally how it's going to go and that's it's unfortunate because the amount of talent that's on that team especially offensively they should be way better the amount the amount of hype that CJ Stroud got going into the beginning of the season he hasn't lived justified it was justified to be honest with you going into the season. Yes, and I agree with you. And last year, you could you could look at you could look at everything that I said negatively that he does and you could be like it was his first year starting. He has one more year. He's going to improve and he's going to get better. You know what? Cool. I'm awesome with that. But is he any different than he was last year? I, we we only lost one game oh. this year instead of two. So like I mean is that is that better or <laughs> I don't know. So it's a uh, that's that's the only way we're going to win this game. It's it's CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud has to play he he just has to play like crazy. And you know what? This is what I'll say. Ryan Day if at all possible if you listen to this freaking podcast. I'm not saying that we have a Tua Tagovailoa sitting behind CJ Stroud. But if at halftime, CJ just isn't getting it done, and we're down by two touchdowns, and he's in panic mode, he's not motivating the guys, and he's not making big plays, find somebody in that freaking quarterback room and put him on the field and tell him to go win you the game. And you know what? I don't care how it looks. I don't care how pissed off CJ Stroud gets. I don't care. You have to win the game. And you know what? If there's a guy sitting behind him, that can motivate the guys and is going to go out there and do whatever it takes, put them in the freaking game because we've seen it work before. That's, that's, that's my biggest 
I guess, complaint with this Ohio State team this year. Who's the leader on that team? There is no leader, dude. There is exactly. there is no think about this. And and I've said this off podcast, but I'll say it here too. In that Michigan game, when it was close, right? And we went into that third quarter and they panned over to the um the guy who switched from what wide receiver to defensive back. I forget his name, but he had switched from wide receiver to defensive back. He was playing like cornerback for Michigan. And he is up on the bench, and he's literally giving a motivational speech. And in his speech, he was literally telling them that Ohio State was soft. They weren't ready to play. Let's go out there and dominate and beat them. And I probably left out some choice words that he used, but that's pretty much what he said. And you know what they did? They went out there and they overpowered us, and they beat us down. And when you turn around and you look at the other side of the field, did you see that from any of our players? Uh, no. Check a box in no. And then you know what you did see? Check a box in Ryan Day looking dumbfounded. How? Oh, I've never cussed on the show. How the frick <laughs> are you supposed to be a quarterback offensive guru? A, a guy that like people are talking about could be given NFL opportunities for how genius he is at the offensive side of the ball and you're dumbfounded with Michigan's defense now I'm not saying they're bad but like you don't have anything all season it's the only game realistically that we're supposed to care about who gives a shit about the Big Ten championship who cares about playing Penn State honestly national championship cool awesome I would love it but the only game that you're supposed you prepare for all season. I know I'm yelling. I'm sorry. The only game no, 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 you prepare no, no. for all season. How are you not prepared for it? How do you look like you have no idea what is going on? I, I don't understand. No, I, I agree. But also, did you just say that you'd rather just beat Michigan and not win a national championship? No, no, that's not what I said. But, I said, but cool. also... I'm but saying, also, but I'm I've, saying in their in their mind, when in in their locker room, it says literally there's a sign. I think it says the only thing that matters is beating the team up north. That's what that's what their whole mindset is all year is beat the team up north. That's what it's always well, been. Clearly not. Well, yeah, clearly well, it, not because they've waxed us two years in a row and we look stupid. Well, because this team, you can have top five recruiting classes all you want. This team is just a collection of talent with no leadership. And no one to really guide the shit. Yeah. There's yeah. no one there's no one stepping up. There's no one that has those sort of intangibles. You can have a ton of talent, but talent's only gonna get you so far. And and here's the thing, right? If you're and coach also what's gonna help Ohio State and with Georgia, they're gonna have a healthy running back room. They're not gonna have to start a middle linebacker at running back. Are they? Because Mayan Williams hasn't practiced this week. So are we gonna have a healthy running back room? Well, I healthier. Know healthier honestly the linebacker that played in the michigan game was freaking awesome so i don't know whatever anyway but like i was gonna say if you're not gonna have a coach that's gonna be the leader you know what i mean and gonna motivate guys then you have to have a player and that's brian day's other problem is he can't motivate the guys for some reason he's over there with he's over there mouth breathing on the sidelines because he doesn't know what the heck is going on like what is happening but you you yes the 
the head coach needs to be the main motivator, but you also need a player to also be a leader on that team. It can't just be Ryan Day. That is there that has is to be true. there has to be a player in that locker room that's gonna step up and and, and take I, charge. And that that's that I I mean, I get. I guess it's hard. It's hard to find that. I get that. But I, you know, we've we've it, come. It, we've, it really should be. You look at other big programs. To be to be fair, though, if you look if you look at the Ohio State program, and I, I will give them this over the past like what ten years since the college football playoff has started, it's been around for ten eight years eight, eight years now. Eight. Um, who who have we had that have been leaders within the program? Right, JT Barrett was a huge one. Right, JT Barrett was a pretty big leader within the program for a while. You probably had, you know, the Bosa brothers. Um, Chase Young was a pretty big leader while he was there. And then we recently had Justin Fields, right? So you've you've had guys that were able to galvanize guys. And we somebody needs to step up. And if it's not going to be C.J. Stroud, I just don't think that they are going to figure it out unless in this month somebody has stepped up. And it... I, I don't know, man. We could I could yell about this all day, but all right. I get it. Okay, moving on. Take a deep breath. It's gonna be all right. Before we talk about Cincinnati football and their uh interesting recruiting class after Fickle left, let's go ahead and talk about some Ohio State basketball. I think you added this Dom seven and five. I was kind of looking at that too. Ugh. I don't know where the top 25 lost two in a row. Yeah. I don't know where we're at with this team. Um, I have on here. Literally. This is the question. Is this team? Oh, this is a poor sentence. Oh no. Sorry. I forgot the A while I was reading it. Is this a team that could actually make a deep run into the tournament? And Dom puts currently seven and five, not in the top 25 and have lost two in a row. Yeah, so going off of what I put, what about this team makes you think that they can make a deep run of the tournament? I'm going to say... Let, 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 if, if, if I'm looking at Ohio State basketball, I'm trying to focus on getting to the tournament. Just get to the tournament, focus on getting a deep run then. Have we have we not felt at, like at this, this point, team is... I'm, I'm even worried about this team making the tournament. I don't even know if they will. Ha, have we felt this team has declined every year for the past three years? I mean... Listen, I this is what I'll say about this team though, too, is they the, do the have, team's been in decline since Greg Oden and <laughs> they they do have a Let's lot of be honest here. They do have a lot of freshmen this year that are starting and playing significant minutes. I and it's not that's what college basketball is. Well, and yes, but we're not Kentucky, Duke, or the Blue Bloods. The freshmen that we get aren't the guys that are going to the the NBA next year. These are guys that that are going to play in college basketball for at least two seasons, if not three. You know what I mean? These these are the guys that Ohio State basketball is getting, and that's not that's not a bad thing. I'm sure that they're going to turn out to be pretty good college basketball players, but they need a couple years to do that. And when you're not consistently bringing in good talent every year, that can kind of you know tip the scales the other way while these guys learn. You're going to have years where you're going to have a down year, and you know, I think the past two seasons prior, we've made the tournament. Um, obviously, we haven't made it very... I don't think we made it past the Sweet 16. It is what it is. I was hoping that this year would be a little bit different, but realistically looking at it, yes. We're a very young team. Guys are playing big minutes. I think that our best chance would be to, hopefully, once we hit Big Ten play, they can kind of start riling off some wins. 
get some momentum, they can grow, they can learn, and then maybe they enter the tournament as a as a low seed and they surprise some people, but that's probably best case scenario at this point. Worst case scenario is that we continue on pace and we don't make the tournament, which would be not great. And that kind of leads to my second question for you. I forget what game it was. I want to say, oh, it was game one of the Ohio State football season against Notre Dame. And you had some pretty notable people that were there. Two of probably the most notable people that were there was LeBron James and his son, you know, LeBron James Jr., but he goes by Bronny. And a lot of people, me included, felt like that was a recruiting trip for Bronny James and his father for the Ohio State basketball program, but also the Ohio State campus in general. Obviously, their fan are their family is pretty huge fans of Ohio State basketball. So with the way that we've started, with the way that the team looks, with how many young guards are on the team to begin with, do we really think that this looks like a viable destination for Bronny James, you know, at this point going forward? And should we expect him to be here next year or be in a different uniform? I mean, other than just being a fan of Ohio State, I don't see a reason why he would even consider coming here. I agree. I mean, I agree. If if you're LeBron James Jr., you're probably one of the most sought-after recruits in your class. Why would you consider coming to Ohio State? Especially because it's only going to be for a year. You know, it. honestly, if I were him, I would just say, screw college basketball. I'm going to go to the to the G League and go the Victor Wambayano route and just go to the league that way. But if... You're set on playing college basketball. Why would you look anywhere else other than Kentucky, uh, Villanova, schools like that? Actual basketball schools. Ohio State's a football school that happens to have a basketball team too. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I think, I think if this team was ten and two right now, I think that I would lean towards maybe yes. If they didn't have as many young guards on this team, I would lean towards yes. Um, I think that the team is very crowded at the guard position, and I think that we're trending down, not up. Now, obviously, once we get to the end of the season, it could be a lot different looking. But, um, yeah, I I think it was a cool idea. I think they came to the game. They watched the Notre Dame game. It was really cool. You know, LeBron James got to live out his dream and see his son in Ohio State basketball uniform and some pictures and... I think that they'll cherish that moment forever. But I think that he's going to end up somewhere out in California, whether that's USC, UCLA. He'll end up with, you know, one of the bigger schools. Not to be negative. I would love for him to come play, you know, for Ohio State. That'd be freaking awesome. But I just don't I don't know if if this is necessarily the program that he wants to come play in. Especially like what I just said, this is a program where guys come to play where it's going to take them two years to develop until they're ready for the NBA. And he might be one of those guys, but he's not going to. I don't think he's one of those guys. He's not. Well, I I think that like everybody could benefit from playing in college basketball for two years. I think that we ask too much of. We asked too much of the NFL rookies that go into the NFL, but at least they've had three years of like, they've had three years of a collegiate experience where they're playing against other NFL ready guys, you know, for three years. And they've had three years for their bodies to mature. So they're at least close to being, they're at least in their 20s 
or almost in their 20s by the time that they enter the NFL, right? You're having guys that go into the to the NBA who are 18 years old and their bodies aren't ready yet. You know, you're asking them to carry franchises. You're asking them to be the saviors of your team. And they're just not they're not ready to do that yet. Not everybody is LeBron James. You know what I mean? Not everybody's going to come out of high school and carry a franchise like he did. Um, I know I'm missing somebody did. Did I think Kobe did the same thing, but even he kind of started out rocky within his career. You know what I mean? I think what KG did the same thing, too. Um, But no, not everybody's LeBron James where they can come out of high school and average 20 something points in the NBA. It's just not it's just not for everybody. So I think that, you know, this them bringing back the you don't even have to go to college is ridiculous. And I think that it should almost be a call with 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 NIL now. He players should have to play in the NBA for two years before they can come to the NBA, because you you have the opportunity to get the money. college or or the G League, college or they have to play two years in the G League, or they have to do two years overseas in in I don't know, I that to me also is another sketchy one because you're kind of playing in a professional league. But at least they know how to handle young players within professional leagues because they've been doing it for a long time. I mean, look at people that have come like look at Luca. Luca was playing in a professional basketball league since he was like 16 years old. So they they know they know how to handle young kids, young men um, when they're playing against grown full like 20 to 30 year old adults. You know what I mean? It's it's so much different. So yeah, I think I there has to be some change. And then I think the product coming out of college would be a lot better. And when you draft a guy number one overall. Well, and the product in the NBA will be better too because you're getting more player. You're getting players that are more developed and more mature. Yeah, both on the court and off the court. Because think about how many guys that are drafted, you know, pick fourteen and after that just go sit in the G League for three years and develop, and then they come out and they're actually productive players within the NBA. Like, okay, awesome. Well, there, there was one report that I saw um, earlier this week. Um, talking about how some of the younger guys in the league have a practice problem and they don't want to practice and they don't want to work in practice. That, again, goes to maturity and um, how seriously these guys are taking the, the NBA. And I feel like if they were in you know college for two years or the G League for two years or, in, you know, like you said, Europe for two years, I don't think the NBA would have that issue right now with uh, a lot of the young guys. You're o- you're always going to have an issue with with. M- motivating guys because at that level you have to motivate yourself right and i think that's a generational problem i you know i don't mean to crap on the younger generation even though i'm only 27 but i don't mean to crap on people who are younger than me but you know from taking that opportunity to coach the youth in a sport it's hard to motivate them because they don't respond well to the yelling and (laughs) being like boisterous they just kind of shut down and you can't really be passive aggressive with them because they either don't understand it or they think you're bullying or being mean. And you can only give so many motivational speeches until you're kind of just, you know, talking to a brick wall. Yeah. It just, it doesn't work anymore. So in order for them, you know, for me to get them to want to play and, and be good they had to want it themselves and they had to want to practice they had to want to get better they had to want to win and you can't they for whatever reason you have 
these these guys that that come out and they have all this talent and they have all this ability and they think that's all they need and they think that 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 they don't need to do anything extra and that's just not the case and and I I don't know if I don't know if two years of college or two years in the G League or two years overseas would fix that but it would at least weed some of the some of the less you know I'm gonna be careful how I say this people who are not as you know mature maturely sound or people who don't have the the capacity to you know grow at the mental aspect of life it would weed some of those people out and you would really find the people who can fall within a schedule fall within a routine get what's done what's needed done and work really hard and maybe even go above and beyond and i think that you would find more developed ready guys for the professional level doing it that way that's just my opinion but it says nothing to do with Bronny james <laughs> coming to ohio state i think dom and i are in a consensus that we don't think he's going to come to ohio state it was just yeah. kind of a fever dream between him him his dad and his mom and, and they got to live out a cool opportunity and they will have pictures and jerseys and gear for a lifetime that they can remember that and and honestly that's pretty cool because all of us that are ohio state fans you know or college football fans in general, um, I'm sure we all dreamt of wearing our favorite team's uniforms and whatever sport we loved most and playing for them and and bringing joy and honor to whatever <laughs> you know they represented. But it'll be a cool memory that they're having. At least I guess they had that, and, and that is what it is. So let's go ahead and quickly move on to Cincinnati. Obviously, if you guys don't know, if you've been living under a rock, uh, Luke Fickle left Cincinnati, which <laughs> to uh, Greg and I's... Uh, surprise that was a surprise <laughs> we yeah uh, I, I was pretty surprised too i i remember we talked last year about how he was building something and it, it seemed yeah. like he was committed to building cincinnati and i saw a couple interviews with him and he sounded like this is where he wanted to be long term i don't um, i don't know i don't know what at happened. the end of the day i guess i guess money talks um getting a chance to to coach you know in the big 10 um for a team like uh, for a program like Wisconsin, who historically, yeah, they've been pretty down the last couple of years, but historically they've been a, a competitive team competing for Big Ten championships. I understand the appeal, and like I said, money talks. You know, they're they're able to to pay more. They're get they're going to be able to give out more NIL money um, than Cincinnati. But yeah, yeah, surprised and kind of sucks. It sucks. It does. And you in. It's funny because Greg and I talked about this, and and you can jump into it. I told him I didn't think he was going to leave Cincinnati unless the Ohio State job was open. I told him that I was pretty sure that the only job he would leave Cincinnati for was the Ohio State head coaching job. Not only because he is an alumni there, um, but because I think that that was the number one job that he always wanted, and I think he wanted another crack at the apple, or a bite at the apple, I should say, because when he was there as an interim head coach, it did not go as planned. Yeah, I think that was him being a young coach, not necessarily being ready to be mm-hmm. the leader of a you know big football program. But also, I think the cards were kind of stacked against him that season because of all the drama that had gone on the the previous season. Yeah, I, I think if Ohio State would have committed to him long term, that I think he could have developed into the Luke Fickle that we know today. But I don't know. I think things were kind of stacked against him in that season. Yeah, it is tough. I really wish that he would have stayed with Cincinnati, but I mean, we talk about this NIL stuff and Ohio State's having trouble getting money for NIL deals. Maybe Cincinnati 
you know, was was in the same boat and he saw Wisconsin was willing to pay him a ton of money and they have the boosters that are probably going to be able to offer up the kind of money to bring some big stars in and he was going to be able to, you know, his ceiling was going to be higher at Wisconsin than it was at Cincinnati. But I hope well, what helps what helps Cincinnati is I know they're moving to the ACC. Mm-hmm. So being in a power five conference, you're going to have a little bit more money. You're going to be able to more easily recruit because it's going to be easier to recruit big players to come play for a team, in the ACC than the American conference, you know? So I, I think the, they were on like the, the precipice of being able to like finally break through and actually yeah. be a top program. But with that being said, now that they're in a power conference, you know, it may be easier for them to, to get a good replacement. They did. They hired uh, the Louisville head coach, and he had kind of a shitty season this year. So, um, yeah. I mean, it, it is it is what it is. I get it. I mean, I think that I would have loved to see him spend two years with the team in the ACC to kind of see what he could do. I would have loved to see that. But, I mean, hey, now, uh, you know, we get to see him in Wisconsin and see what he does there. But, you know, following his departure – I think the past two seasons, they average about like 40th in the recruiting rankings. And obviously right now they're sitting at 72nd. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of get your opinion, Dom. Does does this program have a level of concern sitting at this point? And then do you see them really ever getting to the same level of success and I'm comparing, you know, them to Luke Fickle, getting them to the college football playoffs. Do we see them getting to that point ever again uh, without Luke Fickle and, and, and kind of the direction they look like they're going in? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you could very easily, you know, overachieve, you know, with with a lower ranked uh, recruiting class, you know, if you have a bunch of guys that are, motivated and willing to work, you can see them overcome, you know, an arbitrary low ranking. Um, yeah, it, it, it's hard to say what they'll be able to do going forward. You know, if, if they have a good year this year, which I think they might, they had a really young team this year after losing, you know, Desmond Ritter, Sauce Gardner, Jerome Ford, you know, they, they were left with a bunch of freshmen and, and sophomores. So now that they've had another year to develop, um, you know, who knows? I think they'll be competitive in the ACC. I I don't know if they'll get back to the playoffs anytime soon, but I think they'll they'll be a respectable program. Okay. I mean, I could see that. I mean, I, I could see them maybe only losing like three or four games this next season. Obviously, a new head coach. He's going to change the scheme around, change the system around, so it's going to take time. Like you said, they were a young team this past season, so they'll probably still be a pretty young team going into this season with a couple veteran guys and and – I, I do I do hope that they reach the same level of success. I I've said this before. I thought the idea of having the ability to have a consistent two programs within Ohio that were going to be consistently in the top 25 of college football would have been amazing. And it's something that I don't think that we could say that we've had if ever and if we have it has been <laughs> not not, not in our lifetime. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think it, always, it still could happen. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not saying it can. I'm just saying the, the idea of it of of having that with Fickle there was was awesome. I love that. I I can't tell you how much I would have loved to see an Ohio State 
Cincinnati playoff game, the Battle of Ohio. That would have been so freaking I would just love cool. to see that every year. Just have that, you know, I know that they're not going to be, and I know they're not in the Big Ten, but have that as a non-conference game every year Yeah, where, you know, you have a Battle of Ohio. I think that would have been great. A, ho- a home and home would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a fun game. And like I said, it would have been a lot cooler with Fickle, but let's get it done because that's a, I don't know. That just. Well, I mean, looking at the ACC, besides Clemson, and even they're not that great, who else in the ACC could really step up and, and challenge Clemson? Pitt, maybe. Other than that, West Virginia who else is has in that moment. West Virginia has its moments, but I mean, no, I, I I agree. I think Cincinnati's in a good spot if they if they can kind of hit the ground running here and 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 get back to that point where they have a top fifty recruiting class every single year, if not higher. I think that they'd be in a good spot. And with with NIL coming around, they're they're gonna get some some pretty big name guys. I mean, Cincinnati is not a huge city, but you're still talking about at least three hundred to four hundred thousand people. And there's some pretty big businesses within Cincinnati, some pretty big donors that probably wouldn't. Um, wouldn't mind throwing some money at a couple guys. You know what I mean? They have some. They have a lot, a lot of NFL talent in the league right now, that are alumni. So once once they get paid, you know what I mean. There's nothing saying that they can't sponsor a guy coming to the school. You know what I mean? So I think that uh, I think that this wild wild west of NIL could really be good for Cincinnati, but it also could be bad if if there's no money flow coming through. You know what I mean? And maybe that's why Fickle jumped ship. And we'll see over the next, you know, couple years and and see if they can get back to that that same level of success that Fickle had him at. So yeah, absolutely. Talking about a team, we're gonna talk a little bit about a professional team um that needs to get back to its level of success that we haven't seen it in a couple years. The Columbus crew. If you guys don't know, they uh fired their head coach, I think. You know, in other countries, they call them managers. But, you know, here in the United States, we like to do things differently with soccer, a.k.a. football. So they fired their head coach and um, they have done jack squat in bringing new players into the team in the offseason. They've actually um, let two people go and traded another that were pretty key players, part of the team. Now, obviously, they were a little bit older. Um, They were making a ton of money. So. You know, they, they, I, I remember in the offseason they brought in a striker um, that had a pretty good history. Oh, Cucho, the last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's still a part of the team. Thank God, he's probably yeah. the only hope that we have. Um, but no, I mean this offseason they've literally. I think I saw the other day they they signed a defensive guy, like an older veteran defensive guy. He, not older, but I think he's like twenty eight or something like that. Um, so hopefully we kind of get back to that point. But I think the new head coach, his name is uh, Wilford Nancy. If you guys don't know who that is, I will. Uh, I have his Wikipedia page for you. So there you go. I think Dom probably did a little bit of research. But um, this gentleman, uh, Mr. Nancy, is a uh, is a French-born um, individual. He had a – it kind of looks like a 10-year soccer career or football career playing – but he only really yeah. made an appearance in maybe 25 games. So I don't think he was really like a big time player when it came to the playing of um, soccer slash football. But he has um, 
been a part of the Montreal Impact, now um, CF Montreal, um, which I think they rebranded back in 2021. Um, in 2021, when they did rebrand, he took over as their head coach. So he was really only head coach for, I think, one season with them. Yeah. And then now he has made the jump to the Columbus crew. Obviously, he it says here that he worked his way through their um, U-16 like 16 team all the way up to being an assistant coach and then being their uh, head coach for a year. And his um, he didn't do awful when it came to last season i think he had them second and they lost in the conference semifinals um in the mll eh, mls playoffs so he clearly has the ability to coach at a high level um i'm kind of interested why he left montreal for columbus maybe they just gave him a shit ton of money i don't know but obviously a, a program that he seemed to kind of be building up and and maybe turning into a powerhouse within the MLS if he had a couple more years to do it. But we have him here in Columbus. He seems to be, he seems to know football. I think he plays a little bit different of a formation than our old head coach. I think where our old head coach did, a, it was like a four, three, two, one. Uh, now Wilford does a three, four, two, one uh, formation. So it's a little bit different. A couple more, a couple more deep or no, sorry, flip that. Wilford does a three, four, two, one. The other guy did a four, two, three, one, or whatever it was. So a little bit different, a little bit less defenders, a little bit more uh, midfielders um, when it comes to the formation there. So um, I guess yeah, Dom, I mean, in what you've kind of read about him, you know, are you confident that he can kind of get us back to a championship level like we were back in 2020? Um, or do you think we're kind of doomed to be average again for another 10 so years no i i think it's a good move i don't know how soon you'll be able to get back to championship level but you know this is a guy that has a proven history of being a good coach um he's obviously has a good reputation he probably came here because the crew offered him maybe a little bit more control um and more say over you know how the team is run and, and who he wants um but looking at last year 37 wins 17 draws 25 losses um, plus 18 goal differential, you know, clearly things needed to be shaken up with this team. And I think bringing in a new voice at manager is good for the current players. Um, having a guy that has a proven track record of winning um, is going to be good for bringing in new players. And, you know, obviously the, the strategy that the old coach had wasn't working. Um, so I think maybe switching the formation and bringing guys in that are a little bit younger that are going to be able to play that style of football a little bit better um, will be good. You know, I don't think you'll be contending for a championship in the next year, but I think it's going to be a building process. But I think in the long term, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I mean, after after hearing and, and kind of researching him a little bit more, I am a little bit more optimistic for like two years from now, you know, I think this next season, we're definitely going to be in a little bit more of like a rebuild mode. I think we drafted three people in the last MLS draft, one being uh, the 14th overall pick. So we should have some good young talent coming in. Our, um, our crew two team won the uh, MLS. Like, I don't know what they called it. It's like the, the MLS two. Yeah, maybe or, or uh, MLS Next or something like that. MLS Next, yeah, they won the MLS Next championship this past season. So there's lots of good talent 
that we have that's been developing there that we can try to bring up. And I think that with Cucho, I think this will be a, a year where, you know, Wilford gets the opportunity to, you know, implement his new formation, get some guys in there, and then maybe around the, you know, when the transfer window opens up, maybe, you know, the uh, Haslam's will be willing to spend some money like they did on Cucho um, and bring another guy in to uh, really kind of solidify this formation. And, and hopefully maybe by the end of the season, we see a team that going into, um, you know, the uh, 2024 season that they're going to be able to really compete. And uh, yeah. And Nancy has uh, a history of developing young talent. Like you said, he came up through the ranks at uh, CF Montreal, um, spent a lot of time with their youth academy there. So, you know, you give him a team that just won the MLS next, he's going to be able to develop those guys a lot better Mm -hmm. than, you know, previous coaches would have been. So I, I think, like I said, long term, I think this is a good move. Yeah, and and like you said, maybe he'll focus more on developing youth and really bringing guys up through the program, and that will be a benefit to us, you know, going forward. That we won't have to go out and spend a bunch of money bringing guys in. We can really develop within and have a good rotation of talent, you know, kind of cycling through our organization and and continuing to help us play at a high level. You know, yeah, and, and that's how that's how Columbus is going to have to win because, mm-hmm. you know, let's face it, you're not going to you know strike big in the transfer portal because, you know, it's Columbus. You know, all the all the big stars that are coming over from Europe, when they come over towards the end of their career, they're going to New York, L.A., Miami. That's really it. You're not going to be able to to compete for a, a lot of those guys. So you got to develop young talent, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you now have a coach that has a history of doing so. Yeah, year years of experience in doing that. So I'm excited. I'm excited to give him an opportunity. I think that as crew fans, you know, as sports fans, we're so easily to to jump and, you know, be like, oh, you have you have had zero success. You haven't been good. Like let's let's give him an opportunity for, for two or three seasons. Obviously, if it looks dreadful and this team can't win a game, like then I think that might be different. But you know, let's let's give them two or three seasons to really kind of implement and bring guys in and develop. And I think by year three, this team is going to look real nice. And we're going to be excited to go watch them play in that beautiful new stadium that they built. And they're still continuing to develop around it. So it's going to look even better three years from now. And uh, I'm super excited for for hopefully what the future has to hold for the Columbus crew. So. All right, that's pretty much all I had, man. Did you have anything else you wanted to add within Ohio sports? I know we didn't talk about your, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I said that weird. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> I know we didn't talk much about the Cavs, but you know they've kind of just been, just been rolling. Obviously, they dropped uh, one to Brooklyn the other day, and that kind of dropped them down to fourth. But I'm not too worried. That's a that's a pretty quality team that I think we have a good chance of beating if we get in the seven game series against them, but yeah, I agree. So yeah, the Cavs are looking really good and I know they've dropped three in a row, but again, I'm not, not too concerned about them this season. I think they'll, they'll definitely make the playoffs. Um, it'll be a great learning experience for, you know, a team that's still really young, mm-hmm. um, still learning how to play together. I think it'd be a great experience for them. If they win a playoff series, which depending on their seating, they might, um, I think this is a team that the the window is just opening for them. 
And I, I think this core is going to be together for a while. Uh, and I, I'm excited for the future of this team. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be nice. All righty. Let's go ahead and end this on the double take segment. So, Dom, um, the double take segment is a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Greg and I, you know, we kind of workshop this. We we're going to change the name, but – you know, before we would do it where you'd give one, I'd give one, you'd give one, and I'd finish it off with one. But we were like, we should just do one. And then we we're like, well, do we call it the single take segment? And then Greg, because he's super smart and older and wiser than us, he said, well, technically we're each giving one and that's two. So that's still a double take segment. So there you go. It's just one and one. And then we're done. We don't have to find two things. <laughs> <laughs> But what is your one cool thing that you have to uh, say? I know that I mentioned before that we kind of go with, you know, some fun facts about Ohio. You don't have to do that if you have something else. But if you do have a fun fact about Ohio, uh, I look forward to hearing it. Oh, he's he's dying over there. All right. You're back. All right. Yeah. Get, getting over a cold. So I uh, knew myself to cough a lot. Um, you know, you, you said that, you know, you guys do cool facts about Ohio. So I figured. Well, I love Cleveland more than, you know, a lot of people. So I'm going to find a cool fact about Cleveland. Um, and this is something that I heard growing up, but Cleveland was, in fact, the first city to be lit by electricity. Um, 1879, um, Public Square was the first, I guess, large area that was, you know, publicly lit by electricity um, and kind of paved the way for, uh, well, everything else being lit by electricity around the world. So I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, that is pretty cool. Also, the the first, you know, sorry, it was the first traffic signal. Um, but still, you yeah. know, pretty, pretty impactful for, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's development around light. the world. It's still a light lit by electricity. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I mean, I think... I think Ohio too. It's it's pretty big within the the automotive industry. I think that there's a lot of firsts within the automotive industry that happen within Ohio. Obviously, you know between us and in Michigan, there in this Midwest, the 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 automotive industry really flourished, especially up north within like Cleveland and Toledo and Detroit. Um, so it's, I'm not surprised that that the first traffic light you know, to be powered and turned on was in Cleveland. That's pretty freaking cool. Um, yeah. Mine is a, is a cool fact about something that was invented as well, too. If you don't know who William Semple is or Amos Tyler, um, they are both credited with inventing chewing gum. So Semple was a doctor from Mount Vernon and he made his chewing gum out of rubber and claimed it would clean your teeth. Ew. And Tyler, a Toledo resident, um, patented chewing gum in July of 1869. So obviously Tyler probably, or uh, I should say Amos Tyler, sorry, um, probably made it a little bit better than rubber. But uh, I, would, I would hope so. Yeah, I, I would really hope so. See, It's funny because my dog has a rubber chew toy that you're supposed to put dog toothpaste in and that cleans his teeth. So then I'm wondering, were people chewing on rubber dog toys back in the day? I would like to think not, but... Uh, <laughs> but it's Mount Vernon people. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we'll get some archive photos of people just chewing on rubber. That's uh, They had all that excess from all the tires they made from the cars, and he was like, let me chew on this. Yeah, don't know really how that would clean your teeth, but, yeah. you know, here we go. Give you some pretty strong chompers. Yeah. Or, or messed up ones. I don't 
Yeah. All right. Well, now we're just rambling. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. I feel like I said this would be a short one, but we talked for a long time. That's so crazy. I mean, for us, this has been a short uh, episode. Yeah, we usually is. talk on and on and on. That is fair. So normally it's like two hours, but we cut it down to 50 minutes for you, just for you guys. Okay. And if it's over 50 minutes, I didn't lie. I just have no idea how long we've been talking. So um, again, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. We got some pretty big things coming this year. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll make some changes going forward, but you know, as we do, we continue to get better, grow and uh, change our content for you guys. If you guys have anything you want us to do or not doing, let us know if I'm not talking about anything in Ohio that you want me to talk about, please let me know. If you want me to talk about some division three football, we can talk about some Baldwin Wallace, John Carroll beating up on Baldwin Wallace. I don't care. We can do that. That's no, 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 no. Okay. That still hurts a little bit, but it does you know. hurt a lot as a, but Hey, well, especially because there, there was my, one uh, my girlfriend we went to John Carroll. Points, so all right. Remember that year we held them to zero points at halftime and we were so excited and they beat us by like 40 to nothing after that. Such a sad yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, it was great, great times. Yeah. Ooh. But you know, you know what was fun about those games? The marching band. And that cute kid who was playing the drums. I forget his name, but he was really cool. He was short. Did he had David, glasses. What, what instrument did David play? Are you talking about David? I'm talking about me. Okay. Jeez. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, go ahead and follow Ohioverse Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.